Good stuff. As they're heading out, go ahead and grab a Bible if you need one pew in front of you. Uh, if not, take out your smartphone if it's smart enough to find Jonah 4. And let's go to Jonah chapter 4. Going to try and finish this thing today. Man, we will actually, Lord willing, Lord willing, finish today. And uh, so we, we got a lot of ground to cover because we've got a whole chapter to cover. And so uh, we'll see, see how far we make it here. Uh, again, um, just uh, a, a lot going on. Uh, praying for uh, services next week as well. Obviously, again, uh, we'll be traveling. Keep us in prayer, please, please, uh, as my brother's getting married. And um, uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll be there with them. I uh, think it's uh, wedding Saturday evening. Let's see, rehearsal Friday, wedding Saturday, sunrise service Sunday, extra service after Sunday school Sunday, and I think back that evening at their church on Sunday evening. So a lot going on. Pray for us. And I know you guys will, will have a busy time as well, uh, but in good hands, not with Allstate, but with Pastor Nate. So um, anyway, you know, I, I don't know if some of you know this story or not. I once worked with a young lady. Uh, you would not know her, but you would know her brother. Her brother is Tim McGraw. And uh, I worked with this young lady when I worked in the cruise industry. And uh, she was a good friend. And, and uh, anyway, just uh, some interesting stories and late-night conversations with folks uh, uh, about some of the family upbringing. Anybody know who Tim McGraw's dad is? Yeah, famous baseball player, right? So... Um, Anyway, uh, some stories there as well. I want to share one of the stories uh, about her dad. In the spring, um, actually, this wouldn't have been her dad. This would have been generation prior. Um, John McGraw. Anybody familiar with that name? Anyway, John McGraw in 1894, the Baltimore Orioles came to Boston to play a routine baseball game. All right, now follow this. A routine baseball game, the Orioles against Boston. And what happened next was anything but routine. The Orioles, John McGraw, got into a fight. If you know the McGraws, that's probably any, you know, better shut up. She may watch this, who knows. Um, got into a fight with the Boston third baseman. Within minutes, all the players from both teams had joined in the brawl. The warfare quickly spread to the grandstands among the fans, the conflict went from bad to worse. Someone set fire to the stands, and the entire ballpark burned to the ground. Not only that, but the fire spread to 107 other Boston buildings as well. Now there's a day at the park. <laughs> I mean, wow! Craziness. Now, I'm thankful the other night our church gathering, uh, uh, our church scattering, I should say, we were all over the ballpark. We'll work on that for next time. My, uh, my apologies. But, uh, but it was a good time at the ballpark. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that didn't happen. Though I thought I saw Seth with a li lighter. I'm just kidding. Either. Um, I'd say these people were pretty angry. And, and when sometimes there's anger, if we're not careful, that anger... Um, begins to spread. And James warns us about this. We also know in Hebrews that if a, a seed of bitterness gets in a heart, it can spring up and it can defile many. So when I ask you this morning, what are you mad about? What's got your goat? What, what, what are you mad about, man? What, what is really just... Mm, are you mad at somebody in the church? I hope not. If you are, you need, to, you need to deal with that, right? What are you mad about? Well, Jonah was mad about something, and we're going to take a look at that uh, this morning in, in, in Jonah chapter 4. You know, it's interesting, we've seen uh, so far in this odyssey of Jonah's life, chapter 1, he was disobedient. In chapter 2, he was thankful, right? Um, in chapter 3, he was obedient. 
And now in chapter 4, he's angry. Man, Jonah's just a roller coaster of emotions. I know none of y'all can relate to that. I mean, <laughs> nobody has ups and downs in life, right? I mean, nobody's on this crazy ride called life, right? Jonah definitely had some ups and downs, and we see that in these four chapters. And so we're going to close out today, and we're going to focus in on Jonah's angry. He's, he's, he's angry. And so hopefully this will be an encouragement to us to, to reflect on where we are and ask that question, why am I angry? Do I have reason to be? Go ahead and look as we begin the reading of God's word in Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Now hold up a second. What displeased him? Well, you know what's just happened. He didn't want to go in the first place to Nineveh. He did not want to take the gospel to them. He did not like those people. He didn't want anything to do with them. They were the enemy of his people. These were bad guys. So he flees from the presence of God, trying to get away from what God wants him to do. Ends up on a ship to Tarshish. You know the story. Gets tossed into the sea. Swallowed by a prepared fish. Three days, three nights. He's there in the belly of the fish. He gets right, spit out onto the onto the sand, and now is willing to go where the Lord wants him to go. He takes the gospel into Nineveh and begins to say, in 40 days, God's going to overturn this place. We talked about this last time. Could have been overturned in the sense of there is wrath coming, and it was coming. But the heart of the people was repentant. They received the message. And instead of getting the left hand of wrath from God, they got the right hand of mercy. And so God relented and there was repentance. And so that's what displeased Jonah. Let's keep reading. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, vehemently. He became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Wow. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat under it in the shade, till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So, Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But, as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, You've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand? And much livestock? 
Father, I pray that your word will penetrate our heart. Lord, unfold our heart before you today. Shine your light of conviction. Help us to see what you would have us to see. Help us to hear what you would have us to hear. Lord, we are your people. And apart from you, we are nothing. Thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. And Lord, may we never take that for granted. I ask your blessing of the preaching and teaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there was this woman who asked her pastor during a counseling session. Um, she was just struggling, she was anxious, and the pastor said to her, do you know Psalm 37? And she said, well, yes, absolutely. Psalm 37, that's, that's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. In fact, I know that passage by heart. So he said to her, well, I want you to give me the first word of the psalm. She thought for a minute, and he thought she would say, fret not. But she said, first word of the psalm, fret. He said, ma'am, I think that's the only part of the passage that you do know by heart. And guys, I think about that. You know, a lot of times I like to say that in counseling. The passage, by the way, goes on and says this, if you want to know. It says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. But I think too often times, that's all we do, is fret. Are you fretting this morning? Are you anxious for something? God's word says, fret not. Jonah was displeased. He was angry. He was fretting. He was upset. He was torn to pieces. Call it what you want. He was an emotional wreck. He was a drama king. All right? Not a drama queen or a burger king. He was a drama king. Well, let's see if we can unpack this passage today. Here's your outline if you're taking notes. I didn't get a little face. This was the only chapter I didn't provide you a sheet of paper, so you've got to come up with your own today. All right? Give me some slack. It's been a busy week. Um, here's the outline. First, pray. We'll see this in, in 1 through 4. And then we're going to see preparing in verses 5 through 8. And then we're going to look at pitying in verses 9 through 11. Praying, preparing, and pitying. And that's what we find here in the text. Uh, let's take a look first off at praying. Notice what happened. Jonah's displeased. He's mad. He's angry. Now, i got to give him credit. He became ang angry, verse 1. So he prayed. Hey, man, great idea, great place to start. If you're angry this morning, let me encourage you, start with praying. Don't punch somebody. Don't set the stadium on fire. Pray. All right, let's start there. Let's go to our knees. Let's, let's deal with it. And, and I can say I do appreciate that about Jonah. I appreciate that about the psalmist. If you go through the psalms, you'll see oftentimes that the psalmist is crying out. He's just being real with God. He's saying, oh, how long is my soul going to be downcast within me? Lord, have you, have you forgotten me? I mean, so look, it's okay to be real in where you're at in the midst of your emotions. It's okay to pour out your heart to God. So Jonah, on that sense, I guess he does well. He prayed, great idea. But here's the problem with Jonah's prayer. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Jonah was being selfish. Notice what he says here. Was this not what I said? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know you are a gracious and merciful God. Jonah's saying this. I told you so. I told you. See, I had it right all along, God. Jonah was selfish. Now, I know none of us ever struggle with that problem. 
Guys, by nature, we are fallen human beings. We are self-centered folks. When we do counseling, and those of you who come through or been through or will come through, those of you who have been in our discipleship counseling class that we taught, you can see the chart right now in your head. And what's at the center of a, of a basic Christian life? I'm not talking about a lost man because Jonah's a believer. What's at the heart of a, of a basic Christian's life? Self. Self. We want it our way. It Maybe it is Burger King. <laughs> that is Burger King's slogan, right? Have it your way? I don't know. I get my restaurants mixed up. I'm sure my son can straighten me out later. He wants it his way. In fact, how do I know he wants it his way? Well, the fact that he's even going to go outside of the town and sit and watch, he's kind of hoping maybe he can convince God he was right all along. Ever pray that way? I know none of you ever pray that way. Look, it's okay to make your request known what you want. That's okay, right? But I better be okay with the answer regardless. Because really, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be my will be done. It should be thy will be done. Jesus gives us that example in the garden. Guys, you know this. He's praying in, the, in Gethsemane and he says, oh, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Humanly speaking, emotionally speaking, the man, Jesus Christ, knows what he's getting ready to face. And he really isn't looking forward to it, humanly speaking. And so he, in his own prayer, says, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. But then he says, but nevertheless, not my will be done, thy will be done. Guys, I, I'm telling you this morning, it's okay sometimes to pray and say, you know, Lord, I really, I just, man, I, if, if, if you could just see fit to, but you better catch yourself. But nevertheless, not my will be done, thy will be done. And if it doesn't go according to plan, don't be angry, Jonas. See, Jonah was selfish. Notice, God did not do what he wanted him to do. You know, isn't that why people get angry? Again, I asked you the question when we started, well, what are you angry about? Most of the time, maybe you're different. Maybe you're somehow immune to the scriptural passages that we're going to look at in a second. But I know in my world, when I'm angry, typically it's because of self. Because I want something and I'm not getting it. In fact, James 4.1.4, don't take my word for it. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Where do they come from? Where, where does your fights? When they, next time you have a fight, I know none of you spouses, y'all don't ever argue. I know children and parents, you don't, ever, you don't ever argue, right? None of y'all ever argue. You're never angry about something. Co-workers, I know y'all never get upset with your preacher. <laughs> and, and your preacher never gets upset with you. So, there we go. Where do the fights come from? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members... I want this. What? No way, Josue. I want that. Hmm. Do they not come from desires for pleasures that were in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Guys, what's at the heart of the problem is the heart. We are selfish by nature and we want our way. And the next time you're having a disagreement and you're having a fight with somebody over something, think about this truth. This is why you're really upset. The problem is never the other person. The problem is not the other situation. The problem is not if I could just do this or get that. or That's not the problem. I'm the problem. Well, that's the first thing pastor said is true all day. <laughs> no, none of y'all would think that. Uh, 
No, when I say I'm the problem, we have to look at ourselves, right? Self's the problem. That's the real problem. Jonah was selfish. Jonah's creating God in his image. Now, that's a common practice, guys. It's when we say stuff like, well, I think God's like blah, 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 blah. Well, that God does not exist because he's a God of your imagination. Now, Jonah's going to get it right as he begins to unfold this prayer. But at this point in his anger, he had in mind, this is what caused him to flee in the first place. Now, he, he knew God was merciful, but he wanted God to wipe out these people. And he knew he wouldn't. So God, Jonah's trying to bring God down to his level. Jonah's wanting God to be more like him. And that's the point I'm getting at. And again, I know none of us ever do that. We, we, you know. But guys, we do. This is the problem. We think of God in that video clip we showed a while ago. You saw the passage of Scripture that was highlighted. We get it wrong when we think God's like us. God is not like us, and His ways are far greater than our ways. And yet, this is what we do. Well, you know, I don't think God should send people to hell. Loving God, and so we start creating a God in our image. Well, if I was a father, I wouldn't do my children like that. Guys, you're bringing God down from His holiness and His greatness, and we're putting Him on the same plane as what we want or what we think. And we're all guilty of doing that. Every single one of us. None of us are immune. This is what's so powerful about the book of Jonah. We get a mirror. So before we start throwing Jonah under the bus or back in the well or fish or whatever, we need to stop and reflect on this. This is a common practice that we do ourselves. I think God's like. But it's not the case. Yeah. You know what we do, though? This is, and this is what Jonah did. This is how we're like Jonah. Follow me for a second. I wish God would just wipe them out. I don't want to see a show of hands that how many of you have ever thought that about some rogue nation, some enemy. Or I wish this is righteous indignation, right? We, we justify all of our actions by righteous indignation. I'm not, oh, I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. I, I'm just righteously angry. Because God's for my side. Now, I could go meddling right here really hard. But I trust the Spirit of God to drive this home in a common day context in our nation. What's the nation angry about? What's our nation angry about right now, church? Don't say it. Let the Spirit of God bring it home. Jonah was mad at Nineveh. He didn't, he didn't want them to receive God's grace and mercy. He wanted, them to get, he, he wanted them to get judgment. He didn't want to let them into the kingdom of heaven. He wanted to keep them out. But God wanted them to come in. Well, what happens when you want to keep somebody out, but God wants to bring them in for his sake? Now, I don't pretend to know God's plan. I know what happened in Jonah. And I can see the sovereignty of God here. And I can see God's plan in, 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 in hindsight. But what if in our common day context that if we learn a lesson from Jonah that we can actually apply today as a church and be more Christ-like? Wouldn't that be growth? Wouldn't that be great? Or are we going to war amongst ourselves? Are we going to stand on what I want because my children deserve a future protection and prosperity and hope and hey those are great American dreams I'm a parent too I want that for my children just as much as you do but nevertheless not my will be done thy will be done what's God's plan church We could come local. That would be really meddling. 
What's God's plan, church? I don't know that full picture, but I know God's plan of our attitude in the midst of it. That is clear in Scripture. That is clear. Let's ask God to help us in that area. Let, let's not pray in anger for justification for what I want, what's best for me and my household. Because that's what Jonah was doing, guys. He, was, he, he wanted to protect his people. This was the sworn enemy of Israel. The Ninevites were this group that went in and conquered and beheaded people and threw their heads, carcass heads, in piles of pyramids and with the rot there as a warning to anybody who would toy with them, this is coming soon to a neighborhood near you. They were violent. They were criminals. They were thieves. They were, this was a wicked, the most wicked bunch of people on the face of the planet. I understand why Jonah felt the way he felt. And humanly speaking, I feel that way sometimes too. I get upset over the evening news just as much as you do. I have my American dream just as much as you do. But I have to oftentimes check myself because I recognize God's plan is greater. His kingdom is greater. And that's hard. And it was hard for Jonah. He's just being real. And I'm just being real. But that's where we got to start. Jonah was selfish. But notice how God is, guys. There's a contrast here between who Jonah is and who God is. There's a contrast between us and who God is. God is selfless. Notice what he says here in his prayer. He says, Therefore I, I, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious, merciful God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. And Jonah is so mad because he, I knew it, God. I knew you were going to do this. You know what? Just kill me. This is the second time, by the way. Throw me over. Just throw me overboard. It, you know, it, it'll all stop. I think he wanted, again, I just want to die. I'd rather die than have to do that. Whew, wow. You know, there's a parallel here. I can make a spiritual application. You know what, Jonah? You know what, Jonah's? You're right. We do need to just die in order to do that. We're called to die to self daily. It's the only way we're going to be able to. Jonah asked for relief. He says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. This is Jonah asking in his prayer, just let me die, Lord. That's Jonah asking for relief, but notice God asked for a reason. It's okay to ask, guys. What's you angry about this morning? Ask God. But be listening for God asking for a reason. We need to search the recesses of our heart a little deeper as to what really is getting my go. What really? And in Jonah's case, he's asked the question, is it right for you to be angry? Now, I don't want you to miss this, but notice what Jonah did. Does Jonah answer? Oh, Jonah answers. <laughs> Not really. He does in his action, in his attitude. Notice what he does in verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. We don't even see an answer from Jonah. Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? David Guzik on this uh, Jonah 4, he said, Jonah made three errors that angry people often make. Each of these things put Jonah in a worse place, not a better place. You know when you get angry, you're in your own prison? You all understand that? It's really, it, it, you're in the worst place when, when, when you're the one who's angry. You're the one who's bitter. Jonah quit. I'm done with this. He quit. It, it, sometimes, guys, when you get so frustrated in life, you're, whether it's on a relationship, whether it's in ministry, whether, there's differing things. Sometimes we can take the attitude of Jonah and we can just quit. 
Notice what else happened. Jonah separated from others. I can tell you one of the things as a pastor that I see happen often, and I almost could clock it. When people get upset in a church setting, it doesn't always go in this order, but a lot of times here's what happens. They begin to drift to the back of the church. No offense, anybody in the back of the church. I know some of them. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I got one test and one being honest in the back. Uh, they, they, they begin to move to the back, all right? Which is an indication of where they are spiritually and that they wanna, they're, they're, they're about out the door. I can't hang in here much longer. Again, please don't. Some of y'all going to be mad. You're going to be angry at me because I said this today. No, again, if the shoe don't fit, don't wear it. But I've seen it happen. Oh, up front, man, praise the Lord, they all into the... And then all of a sudden, it just, man, the countenance of them, the joy of them seems to be vanishing in their presence. I try to talk to them. Conversations are short. They back on up. But then here's the worst part that happens a lot of times. They separate from others. They all of a sudden were, were very involved in the church or they liked being around God's people. Now they don't want anything to do with them. And they're under their juniper tree. They're under their little makeshift lean-to, spiritually speaking, like Jonah. And angry at everybody else. Everybody else's fault. It's everybody else's fault. Or they don't like the way so-and-so treated them. Or pastor didn't do this. Or, you know, the way they... And there's this, this little pity party that goes on. But they separate from others. Guys, when you're hurting, when you're angry, and I'm not saying you don't have justification necessarily that to, to, to have emotional feelings of, of betrayal or anger. Again, life happens, real things happen. But there's a proper way of dealing and sorting through these things and separating yourselves from others is not one of them. Oh, my thumb is hurting today. I don't know what's wrong with this. Honey, can I borrow the meat cleaver? Thank you. Stay there. Separate. Is that how you deal with it? I hope not. You'll be waving with a nub before long. Just saying. No offense to my nubbies, anybody. Jonah separated from others. Jonah became a spectator. Right? Pull away. Not so much. That's what Jonah did. I'm just going to go out here and sit and see what happens. You know? Oh, let me, just, let me just leave everything at community and let's see what happens. I had a man so angry one time in a previous ministry at the pastor. He literally said this to me. He said, well, me and some of the Sunday school members are leaving this church. I have 22 pins. I've been at this church 22 years. 22 Sunday school pins. Haven't missed a year. 22 of them. But we're leaving because we don't like or agree with the pastor what he's doing. We're taking our money with us. We'll see how long he lasts without it. I actually said that. I kind of stepped back from that one. I was afraid lightning was going to hit. I mean, ooh, that's a scary place. And can I tell you, pastor did fine. He's no longer at that church, but neither is that man and half of them that left. They're in glory. Jonah became a spectator. Don't be a spectator. Look, don't quit. Don't separate from others. Don't become a spectator. That's not the answer. Jonah... He prayed, and that was a good start. That's where we should start. But we've got to be okay with the answer. But now we see some preparing going on. Look what happens in verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He's still hoping God's going to pour out his wrath, man. He's still like, okay, well, you know, maybe I've offered up a prayer. Maybe, maybe God will change his mind on this one again. Maybe he'll just wipe them out. So he's sitting ready to watch the fireworks. By the way, you see the fireworks last night? There was two fireworks yesterday at uh, LaGrange, right, Daniel? One was a house blowing up, and the other was uh, fireworks at the end of the night. Anyway, uh, we can see them good from our porch. Not the first one, but anyway. It's a rough day in L.A. Especially for that guy. But anyway, preparing. Preparing. Notice what happened in preparing. Verse 5. Jonah doesn't answer. He's prepared. 
Jonah's prepared to wait it out. God's asking him a question. Why are you angry? Hmm, I'll just wait it out. Just wait it out. That was the mindset of that group I told you about. They were going to wait it out until that pastor left and they were going to come back in. Jonah was so mad, he was prepared to wait it out. Jonah going out of the city was an indication of his own selfish desire in hopes that perhaps God will destroy the city. That's what he was hoping. He so much wanted his will to be done, not God's will to be done. He was, he was that stubborn. He was that mm, determined. And I know none of us get that way. Notice what God prepares. He prepared the weed. God used a plant to comfort the fuming prophet. Verse 6. Notice if you would. And the Lord God prepared a plant. So here's Jonah. He's made his little lean-to out of the ramble bushes that blow through the desert. And it's just this really, man, bad fort. You know, it looks like one of those we built when we were kids, you know. Half sticks and just dry. And it's like he's trying to sit up under this lean. And it's terrible. And God in His compassion uses a plant to comfort him. Notice he says that the Lord God prepared a plant, made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. Wow. Isn't that just like God? Jonah's just prayed. I know how you are. Yeah. Here's you a nice plant. I don't know about you, i got some weeds. Weeds grow really strong here in eastern North Carolina. I mean, they come up fast, but they don't come up in a day. Again, when you go through the book of Jonah, you'll see this where God prepares, prepared this, prepared, and we're going to look at a few. He prepared the weed. He prepared, he prepared the worm. If you want uh, um, uh, alliteration, you could say he prepared a well. He prepared the weed. He prepared the worm. God intentionally destroyed Jonah's creature comfort. Verse 7, notice what he says here. By the way, Jonah was very grateful. Don't get me wrong. He was very grateful. God has done this miraculous thing. He says he made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful to God. No, that's not what it says. Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Wow. Let that one sink in, church. How many of us this morning are grateful for the plant? We'll talk about that in just a second. I don't want to get too far off base. But the wind. How about that? He prepares the wind. Look here, verse 8. By the way, as morning dawned, verse 7, the, the next day God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I tried to do my best little Jonah worm. That you, anyway. But that was from Jeff. But anyway, another story. It's tough having kids, ain't it? No, it's great having kids. We learned that this morning. It's awesome. Children are a blessing, heritage from the Lord. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. All right. Verse 8. And it happened when the sun rose that God prepared a vehement east wind. Here he is preparing a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head. Oh, man, he is thumping. So that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it's better for me to die than to live. So God prepares the weed. He prepares the worm. He prepares the wind. Then he prepares the word. Notice what he says in verse 9. Then God said, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? So let's, let's unpack this. So he talks about the weed. The Lord prepared a plant to provide shade, delivering from his misery. Here's God's mercy and grace being given to Jonah. Does Jonah deserve it? No. Do you deserve it? No. Do I deserve it? Absolutely not. But isn't that just like God? Isn't that just like God? Jonah was grateful for the plant. Too often, church, hear me now, too often we are grateful for what God has given, but not for God. Do you love the master for what's on the master's table or for the master? Oh, Jonah loved the plant. 
God had graciously and mercifully given him this plant. He had provided this shade for him to take him out of his misery. Guys, again, God pours out upon us over and over again His grace and His mercy because that's who God is. And yet, we're so enthralled with the things, the inanimate objects. I'm so much more in love with my stuff, my status, than I am the very giver of gifts. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Help us love the master. Not what's on his table. God intentionally destroyed Jonah's creature comfort. Guys, you know that could happen. That could happen like that. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All of our status, all of our stuff, could be wiped away in a day. The things we love. This is a striking to the heart of priority. What is, what is our priority? What is our life? What is our life made of? What is, what is the substance of your life? Jesus even told his disciples before he sent them out. What are you worried about? Are you worried about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? Where you're going to live? Does God not know that you have need of these things? Does He not love you more than He, he does these created things? A sparrow is not going to fall to the ground without Him knowing about it. Church, how much more does He love you? And yet here is Jonah more in love with the plant. And so God intentionally destroys what he had given him. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And then it sees that God prepared a vehement east wind to beat down on his head, and he grew faint, and then he wished death for himself and said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then we see the word. God asks, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? This is the second time he's asked. Do you have a right to be angry, Jonah? Do you have a right to be angry? And notice what Jonah says. Then God said to Jonah, it is, right, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry. Even to death. Jonah didn't get it, did he? You know, sometimes we don't get it, do we? He's still pitying. Jonah has a pity party for himself. You better believe it. The way they treat us. You just don't know. We get there, don't we? We go there quick. Man, we'll dig in our heels just like Jonah. We'll build ourselves a little hut to sit under just because I ain't moving. Oof. Jonah has a pity for a plant. Think about it. He pities more the plant. But God has pity for a people. Notice verse 11. We'll go to verse 10. But then the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you've not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern their right hand and their left hand and, and much livestock? Jonah, you're going to have more pity for a plant than you are people. I mean, even the cows, for crying out loud, should get more pity than the plant. Which, sorry chicken lovers, this is why I know God loves Chick-fil-A. He spared the cows. Eat more chicken. Just saying. Chick-fil-A plug. Anyway, not open today, by the way. Jonah has a pity party for himself. God asks, Jonah answers, is it right for me to be angry even to death? Jonah goes from being a prophet to a powder. 
None of us ever pout. Jonah has pity uh, for the plant. You have pity for the plant. You didn't labor for it. You didn't make it grow. It came up at night and it perished in the night. You know, this reminds me of Job. Remember all the story of Job? And then when finally God speaks in the end of Job and he says, Were you there? Were you there when I formed the earth? Were you? And then and, and and, and Job gets this perspective like, Oh, ouch. Ooh, hey, uh, yeah, woe is me. God says, Look, I have given you the plant. I made it happen in your life. Apart from me, there was no grace. There was no mercy. You could have been on the way and it could have taken you out. I have poured out compassion upon compassion, grace upon grace upon grace. But God says, I have a people. Should I not pity Nineveh? More than 120,000. Now listen, a lot of times we interpret this as children. But the phrase, who do not know their right hand and their left, could be, would be a reference to the moral inability of the people of Nineveh. So you can do the math. Some have said if, if, you, if you consider this to, to mean just the children, then you're looking at 600,000, maybe a million people uh, in Nineveh, the great city. But it very well may just be a reference to the people of Nineveh being morally inept. Just they don't, they don't know right from wrong. Two observations as we get ready to wrap this chapter up and the book. Jonah cared more about the personal comfort than for the people of Nineveh. And Jonah cared more about the plant vine than for the people of Nineveh. He had a divided heart. Is your heart divided this morning, church? Is there something we're wanting that maybe is not part of what God wants? Is God maybe trying to teach us something and He's given us grace upon grace to show us His, His answer, but we're missing it? You know, James 1.8 says, um, He's a double-minded man and unstable in all His ways. Guys, if you have a divided heart this morning, if you're, if you're kind of wavering in between, you're like an unstable man. It's not a good place to be. Conclusion, we're just like Jonah. Lost people, though, matter to God. Do lost people matter to me? God's trying to tell Jonah something. He's trying to tell us something, church. I don't know what you're angry about. I don't know what bothers you. But I know this. God loves you. And he loves the loss. And he desires to use you and me to reach them. Jonah needed to learn what we have to learn. We're not here to be comfortable. God never promised this. God does not promote this. The Christian life is a life of service. It's a life of denial. It's a life of following Jesus as we deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow him. Here's an application. God's loving kindness and mercy is available to the lost and the found. To the Jonas and the Ninevehs. Isn't that just like God? Who are you? Jonah? Or Nineveh? Joel 2, 12 to 14 says, Rent your heart and not your garments. Turn to the Lord your God, for He is a gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity. Let's pray. Father, You know our hearts. Whether we're here today as a Jonah or whether we're here as a Ninevite, I pray that the message of this book resonates. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And if there's any here that has never turned to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, I pray that they will turn from their sin and they will cry out to, to Almighty God, that they will call to you, Lord, that they will turn from their wickedness and their sin and recognize 
there's only one way in which to be saved. And that is the provision you have given through the person of Jesus Christ. Your love and compassion fully seen. Your wrath poured out, yet mercy and grace all found at the cross of Calvary. And so, Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that they would call upon the name of the Lord. You said, if anyone shall call upon his name, he shall be saved. To as many as receive him, to them it gives the right to become the children of God. Lord, by faith. May there be someone today who would turn and say, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned against you and I ask for your forgiveness. And I beg for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, will you do what only you can do? Salvation belongs to the Lord. And Lord, for us Jonah's in the room, forgive us our stubbornness. Forgive us that we are selfish by nature. Create within us a new heart, softened. Lord, give us a head that hears the voice of God. And Lord, may your will be done, not our will be done. Help us as a church family to lay aside the anger that may oftentimes plague us for whatever reason. We have no reason to be angry. Lord, a holy God has forgiven a sinful people. Who are we to be angry at sinful man? Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. Help us to be people of compassion as you are. Help us to forgive seven times 70. Help us, Lord, to continue to give grace upon grace because that's exactly what you've given to us. Help us to be selfless people. Lord, thank you for this message and this challenge throughout this book. And I pray as we go here today, go from here today, that you'll go before us, that you'll make our, pay, our path straight, and Lord, that we'll share the good news with a lost and dying world. Because time is short. And then we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.